Welcome to Know the Rules of the Game podcast for media in the future. I'm your host, Desiree Patnell, CEO and President of Women in the Housing Real Estate Ecosystem, NAWRB, and Desiree Patnell Enterprises, Inc., Real Estate Brokerage. Also, I'm the advisor investor for Amicus Brain Innovations and the Chief Strategic Officer for Zulu Time and the publisher of NAWRB Magazine and the Wear Report. Today, I am so honored to have as our guest, Elizabeth Tumulti for Media in the Future. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. How do you yes. have time? How do you have time with everything you're doing? My goodness. It's wonderful. Same right back at you, girl. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so a little bit about Elizabeth. She's an experienced board director and executive leader for she's also the former president of CBS Television Network, also the board director of Fido Pro. It's a nonprofit and a board director of Cause for Celebration. Uh, Executive Advisor and Exceptional Women Award Ease, which is a phenomenal, we're gonna hear a little bit about it later, about the Play It Forward. I love that. And then also the National Association of Television Programming Executives. Why am I not surprised? Um, As a visionary and strategist and change maker, uh, she has created billions in new revenue and cutting edge technology advancement. And she currently is a mentor and speaker all over the country. So we're so excited to have you. So let's talk about a fun fact about you. Okay, fun fact about me. Um, gosh, so many are flooding through my head, right? Because I'll tell you why, and here's why. Two fun facts about me, which aren't so fun, is I am dyslexic and ADD. So if you, when you ask me for a fun ba- fact, the ADD, like there's a million things in my brain. So, um, but, but those are two things that people don't know about me because I never shared it while I was working. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But, um, and then I'm an introvert. So doing this podcast is really unusual. And I'm a prankster. I like to laugh. I like to, I'm a happy person. I like to enjoy life. I like to smile. I like to laugh. And uh, my friends sometimes are on the other end of my pranks. So <laughs> good friends. Friend. Uh, Humorous friends, right? Yes. Yes. No, they, as soon everybody like gets in on it too. They all want to, it's just stupid. We're, we're sophomoric. Yes. But no, it's not. Okay. It's, it's not stupid. We need humor. We, we love, we need support, especially in what's going on. So that's right. I'll get you. And, and to be honest, having a friend like you makes the room live. I mean, you know, I met you at C200 um, at the uh, Pepperdine University and we mm-hmm. had 20 of these incredible women up on stage mm-hmm. and what you were doing for the colleges, um, you know, there and having all the college students there, you stood out to me you got up on stage and you're, you're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you said, you know what? Anyone in this audience that needs me, I help and needs me as a mentor, pick up the phone and call me. I mean, it was like, boom. And they and- did. I, I got 200. Well, not only did I have, and you were so gracious to wait, so many people uh, that wanted to talk to me after that. And what you mentioned, C200. C200 is a, uh, an invite-only group of executive women, the top leaders in the world, not sure how I 
slipped my way in, but um, very impressive women. And what we try to do is give back and share our knowledge and experience with other women to help them grow. And we had over 500 people that day. So thank you for coming and thank you for sticking around to talk to me. And um, Absolutely. yeah, we've become friends now. So it's been nice. It's very cool. And to go back, just to play back about the fact of, of getting you to get on this podcast to be live. Hello. You don't know what we went through to get this. I know. So I'll let you know. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was a bit of a scheduling. Uh, yeah. It's hard. It fun. It We're both fun. busy and that's a good thing. It's a good that's thing. Right. Just to get you on, on camera too. You're like, <laughs> anyway oh yeah that's this is not it, it, uh, you know i'm sure your listeners will will feel as we move forward this is not something i do i'm not promoting anything i'm not you know there's 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 no reason for me to do this and it's not my most comfortable format so um here we are we're here we're authentic and we're going to enjoy yeah. and hopefully yeah Hopefully, yes. There's some tidbits people can take away. That's right. Well, you know, we we got COVID to thank. I mean, come on. Uh, That's right. (laughs) So let's get a little deep dive into Abaya a little bit more. Um, She's a a C-suite leader and and expert at driving change, creating new business business models and going through the the monetizing programming content. Monetizing, so important because we can be so creative and yet we forget uh, you know, I'm here uh, about the content of what we're doing. If we don't make the money, it's going to be a problem. So very. That's important. right. Very important. Uh, she served as a president of affiliate relations for CBS television network, reporting directly to then chairman Leslie Moonves, who recruit, who recruited her from her prior role as CW television networks, first head of distribution. She was responsible for CBS's second largest revenue center, as well as strategic planning, business affairs, and oversight of all local affiliate operations. Within her first three years at CBS, she increased CBS affiliate revenue from a low nine-figure total in uh, Q4 2013 to an amount exceeding $2.5 billion. Yes, girl! Yay! She's also very successful at negotiating with the NFL, uh, that's a whole other story right now, and affiliates to bring Thursday night football to CBS and spearheaded the launch of America's first network live streaming service, CBS All Access. Still going strong. Absolutely fantastic. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We talked about- Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So one of the things that is so incredible um, is, is that you have had this history and of- what you've done from your upbringing and all the different things like that. So from media, what got you so involved and take us back a little bit about the history of media and where that is. So we look at rule number one. Um, It really talks about follow your curiosity instead of following your passion. So talk us, take us back a little bit in history. Yeah. Um, I always tell people, you know, in terms of choosing a career or choosing anything in life, that they should follow their curiosity, not follow their passion. And what I mean by that is whatever motivates you and makes you want to question and make you want to understand how and why something works that is going to get you places. Whereas following a passion, let's say my passion was singing and I wanted, my passion was to be on American Idol one day, it would have never happened because I can't sing. Even though I love to sing in my car, I'm, you know, all 
singing with the best of them that you know it's not going to get me anywhere in real life so follower the curiosity is important and the reason you know all of my rules and lessons are based on my experience so what i can share it's how i grew up i grew up with you know not a lot of money i grew up with a single mother and she worked all the time and we couldn't do what the other kids were doing so what did we do we watched tv and we didn't have cable or satellite or internet and you know hulu and netflix and all of the things that are there today there was three channels i'm old i know but there were three yeah. channels i am but um and we watched the same tv shows at the same time that all everyone else in school was watching and that put me on an even playing field i didn't have the coolest clothes i didn't have you know whatever the school supplies everything other kids have but i could show up and be part of the conversation in terms of what happened on tv last night and for me that was so cool and so interesting and it was free and i'm a little bit of a you know i i i am curious anyway and so i questioned that because i knew gosh you know it's free that can't there's got to be a catch somewhere somewhere somehow i'm gonna have to pay for this because nothing in life is free right so um but i wanted to find out how this really fun interesting thing which is what we call today viewing content it's not necessarily tv it's whatever you like to watch or read right. or consume um why that was free and then not only why is it free but how does it get into your house I was just astonished about how that happened, you know, about, you know, and living in an apartment in a high rise, you know, and thinking about Santa Claus. I never bought it because I'm thinking, how does Santa, we don't have a chimney. We're living in a high rise, but you know, how come he comes to the Christian homes? We're not the Jewish home. I don't buy any of this. So um, I've always questioned everything and my curiosity you know, led me on the path that I ended up making a career out of television. Plus, when you're dyslexic and ADD, TV, TV is a good fit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, it's a good calming event or exciting event, right? Right. So my, my oldest son actually um, got his passion by wanting to be a chef. Remember all the cooking shows? Yes. You know, Emerald, Emerald and all those great chefs. So I'm thinking, you are a star soccer player. Why are you sitting here watching TV and learning how I'm now what he does full time as a, as a gourmet chef because well, he great. loves to cook and he loves to have a that passionate correspondence, right? Right. Um, so with with the you know when you talked about you're up on you know top of a condo or you're at the top of an apartment. Um, yeah, it wasn't a condo. <laughs> It wasn't a condo. So the well, condo apartment. Yeah. So when you can't, when the technology aspect of it. If you think about, okay, if Santa Claus can't come down the chimney because you don't have a chimney, and you talk about the bandwidth of getting up there, electronics like getting up there. Um, you know, we had boob tubes. We called them back in the day. You know, where you yeah. had the actually in the TV. Um, and you think about that, the ability that the tube went out. You went to the grocery store. You picked up a tube and you put it in. Right. and to see that light so mm -hmm. was there anything that you want to talk about the media in the past that you said the curiosity of of, of, of making sure to not follow you know your passion it goes with it did you because of the 
interviews we've done, um, did you go to that grocery store? Did you see how, well, this goes here and this one here? Did you ever uh, have that? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I followed that, but I think you make an interesting point too about your son being a chef. There's probably something in him that isn't just about you know cooking. He's mm -hmm. probably curious about different ingredients and how he can change a recipe and you know if there's something unusual he could do that someone else hasn't done that might make it a little bit better he probably has that curiosity whereas with soccer he was a great player and passionate about the sport but he probably didn't have that next level type of curiosity of what he's doing as a chef like if i cook it a little less a little longer if i add this little spice or experiments with these other spices or these other you know so it's it does it goes back you we can see it in if i ask someone enough questions about what people who are successful do, you can see that curiosity with, within them. Um, for me, I wanted to know more, um, not just how the TV itself worked, but how, how the program was transmitted from a TV network to a TV station into a TV. So what did I do? You know, when you don't have money, I stole a bike and went to a TV station to ask them. And, and I'm 10 years old, but I didn't steal it because I returned the bike. Steal the bike. No, I, I borrowed it without permission, but I returned it. And I don't think they ever knew because it was just for a day. But um, that was the first day that I started showing up at a television station and standing there asking engineers if I could come in and watch them work. And it's crazy when I think back of, you know, if I saw a little girl asking me, you know, if they can come in. Okay, so here you are. Let's let's paint the picture. Here you are in a TV station, all men, I'm assuming. Yes, absolutely. All, all engineers, you know, in their blues and their, you know, their jeans and everything else. And you're coming in as a girl with a, a little, you know, dress on, and you're coming in and 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 you know, eight years old going, Can I watch you? Yeah, well, I wasn't I was 10 and I wasn't I wasn't in a dress. I was pretty, you know raggedy i didn't have nice clothes or anything but i mean i was clean and brushed my hair yeah i had good dental hygiene but um but yeah I, I asked them if i could you know watch them work and as you said there's these big burly guys where they have you know to paint, help paint the picture they're wearing you know a thousand keys and have radios and all kinds of things hanging off their belts and it was it was opposite of me but i wanted to understand how it worked and let's face it in television most people they care about what they see on tv they don't care about what happens behind the scenes so these engineers i think were so um pleased that somebody you know a lot of people like to talk about themselves and you know, maybe their kids weren't interested in what their fathers were doing at work, but I was, so they were happy to take the time. And I learned about, there's so many jobs in television. It's not just about what you see on TV. Everything you see on TV, there's thousands of people behind that and, and jobs and career opportunities. It's really quite amazing. So if I were to take a gander of one guess, they probably looked at you as not only like you said that someone took an interest in dad's work, but I bet you a hundred bucks that they were 
fathers to little girls or they were fathers who said, I, you know what? I'd love to you to come on. And, and I bet they talked about you as much as that you talked about them at home. Well, it's interesting. There's one man in particular, his name is Barry Blue. He had a wife named Pam. And I just thought they were the coolest couple. They were hip and they just, I thought they were amazing. I loved the way Pam dressed and just all kinds of things. In fact, I, I recently looked him up and sent him a thank you note saying, you, you probably don't even remember me, but you changed my life. And he still works. He still works for Channel 11 in Chicago. So he is still there. He's still an engineer. He's still married to Pam. And they ended up having two boys. But at the time, they didn't have kids yet. And they were just, they were cool. They were really so cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but to see... Just this legacy of you going there and change life, becoming C one of the CBS presidents. I mean, how cool. How, I mean, that's yeah, great. I never thought at the time that that was a career for me. I knew because my mother was a waitress and she worked at Denny's in the morning and then she worked a minimum wage office job and then she worked at Red Lobster at night. She had three terrible jobs and could wow. never make ends meet. She was a wonderful, loving woman um, and just everything for my sister and I, but it was never, it wasn't enough. So I knew I wanted one good paying job, but um, when I was going to hang out at the TV stations, I never thought that that would be my career until I kept following that curiosity of the next step, the next step, and the next step. So eventually I got a job as a secretary in television and worked my way up. Literally, I've done every job. So all the way oh to God. the top. Well yeah. Well worse. So <laughs> the, ne the next, very cool, very cool. The next rule um, really hits home. And to me is something that is so powerful um, about what's going on um, in the world today. Um, and that is truth, decay, and news. Yes. And problem. Very fake news, right? It was, people call it fake news, where, you know, there was a time there wasn't such thing as fake news. Um, there's always been a tad of bias, but people tried not to be biased. I mean, right. I'm just saying, you know, anytime a human is involved, there's going to be some bias. But... Uh, and only one or two news services today work extremely hard not to be biased. But um, now it, everything is biased and there's a lot of fake news out there and it's disturbing. You have, yeah, I mean, well, you've got news cells and you have to, as you talked earlier, that, you know, you make a ton of money off of news. Um, and news know, is a business. News, yeah. you know, it's a business. And it's not, 
you know, it, of course it has to do with the commercials. If, if one is viewing content, let's say, uh, if you're watching a cable news program, they make money, not just on the commercials, but how many people subscribe to that particular channel. So there's a two sources of revenue there. And there's also, um, you know, even online, how many clicks, how many likes, how many, it's all money. Whatever you're consuming, somebody is, monet is monitoring and monetizing. People don't realize that what, they what they're watching is being monitored and monetized, but it is. Someone else is making money off of everything you're doing. So the two M's, monetizing and monitoring. And I yes. Mean, the yes. more you see, the more it gets, it gets, it gets viewed, and that view is is mentally trying to engage on a repetitive scale. That you're going to then believe what's being said based on the fact that you've had it said so many times, right? Well, that's, that's exactly right. And, and there's a couple of things in that. You know, when I was talking about being a kid and watching television for free over the air, we just plugged in our television and we had rabbit ears. Nobody, though, on the other side knew what my household was watching. But nowadays, televisions are connected to cables and satellite. And that's a two-way communication. So... Whoever the subscriber is, they sell that information. So there isn't that privacy anymore. People, and that's how they're monetizing it. They know where you live. So they can say, okay, but people with this kind of income live here and this, you know, so they're monetizing everything about you that, that they possibly can get their hands on. And um, so that's, that's one thing. And then the other thing is... Um, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my point. It's that ADD thing. I have a hundred things in my brain. Um, so you, we talked about uh, monetizing and the data and... Um, the monetizing the and, and the, the, how, the, how many mentions of the time. So my core is, is that if you yes. think about... God. Yes, I, I, thank you. Um, think about what do you do the first thing you buy when you get a new car? And there's all kinds of buttons and all kinds of things, you know, so you set, get your seat set and your rear view mirror set so that you can drive. What's the next thing you do? People do. They program in the radio stations. They don't always, they don't always just scan and wait for something to come right. on. They have already edited in their head out of all the hundreds of, and if they have satellite radio thousands of programming choices and they know i want this one for news and this one for sports and this one for this kind of music and this one for that kind of music people make those decisions based on past experiences even though the world and the business has changed and that right. continues to happen and we see that um, in particular in cable news, the difference between cable news and broadcast news, broadcast television, um, they broadcast TV, which I'm talking about if anyone is here in Los Angeles, broadcast is channel two, channel seven, channel four, channel 11. Those are broadcasters, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox. But once you move into cable, maybe a CNN, maybe a Fox News, that is not utilizing airwaves from the government. Those are oh. private, you know, broadcasters are using airwaves from the government. So they have to 
you know, make an, effort, make an effort to be broadcasting real news. Whereas cable, and uh, one can look at, if people even have a TV guide, look at the program guide and look at the names of the programs on Fox News or CNN. And I'm just using those two because they're the two most popular. Nowhere does it say in the different programs, except for maybe once or twice a day, news. It's always somebody's name. And when it's someone's name, that's their opinion. It's a opinion programming. Uh -huh. And these people, these channels make their money by having you tuned in the longest so that you see the more commercials so that they can monetize and they can get your information of where you're at and your income and all of that to monitor and monetize. So they will, in other words, preach to the choir and they will tell you what you want to hear. And they will, you know, and if you, they will rarely have guests that disagree with a particular yeah. point of view. They have a guest that comes on and emphasizes what people might call anchors, but they're entertainment people. They'll emphasize what that person behind the desk is saying. I love it. No, I, yeah. I, I, I and, see and, and people that want people that watch one channel don't watch the other and vice versa. And, you know, and I love news. I like, you know, and I'm curious, I want the real story. So I'm one person that probably takes something and then I look at the other channel and then I Google it and then I read this and that. I mean, you know, it's, it's exhausting, but I, I want to make my own opinions. I don't want someone right. else spoon feeding me what the right answer is. I want to get as much knowledge as I can and, and come up with what I believe is the truth. Thank you for that, because we are living in a time where I believe it's the most important thing to make our own decisions, one about health, where we live, how we live, um, and making decisions on the, the differential of the federal government, the, the state, the local, your health department, your personalities, your, your community, living in an association right. or not. Um, everyone has a different opinion, and everyone has a different, and even where you live, um, like if you're living in, in the Midwest right now, which is not as bad as say living in LA or living in New York or, or Miami. So having your own set of facts and not relying a single source mm -hmm. is why this podcast is so incredibly important because you got to learn how to look at the data um, from different sources. Like you said, take one, Google it, look at others and look at everyone and, and curate it together and go, okay, here's all the stuff I know, and this is what I've been told. So check out, you know, the ones that are too far away. People don't have, it's not practical. People don't have time to do that. But what I loved about my job in terms of working with affiliates, when I first started working with the individual television stations for my mm -hmm. network, I got to travel. So I have been to like every big city in our country. And it's, amazing how different people are based on where they live uh, based on all their friends and their family and what they believe and I was I'm one of the few people that I know that have been able to 
experience that as someone coming in all the time, um, coming into a different environment and trying to understand why. Uh, I love talking to cab drivers. I never rented a car so that I could talk to a cab driver. And when they picked me up at the airport, I always wanted to know, what's the big business? You know, who employs the most people in this town? What's your favorite TV show? What's going on in politics? Why is the mayor the mayor? Why is, you know, whatever's yeah. happening in the news? And cabbies kind of, because they drive so many different people and yeah. their passengers talk to them, they get a lot of information you know, yeah. from so many different sources. Yeah. So they have, a, they have a pretty good beat on what's going on. And it's so interesting. And then when I checked in at hotels, I would always ask, you know, they would see my credit card. So my credit card, you know, American Express would say CBS. And we're saying CBS, like a B, like boy, not V, like the pharmacy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they would see my credit card and they would right away, oh, CBS. And I would start asking and what their favorite shows were and what and why and it really was different place to place and a lot of it was based on that watching a particular television station because they liked the news anchors and the type of news that that station was doing and that made them watch the tv programs it's fascinating but it's all a business so i would always question in terms of anybody that's telling you anything what's in it for them put yourself in their shoes what's in yeah. it for them and just kind of go from there i, I mean well, you, I, excellent, excellent points. And, and you really, you're relating it to a culture, you're relating it to the, the community culture versus a family culture or a business culture. You're, you're, and, and I love your um, same thing I do with the Ubers and the, and the, and the Lyfts or whatever, or the cabbies, any kind of shared ride that you're getting to know what was going on. I did the same thing as talking about, you know, what's, what, why, you know, where'd you, um, how long you've been in the country? What's your, your likes and dislikes? What's going on with your environment? How the family's going? Mm -hmm. um, do you do this full time? You know, right. oh, I make more money doing this than I have my normal job. Right. Yeah. So from a business perspective of what I do, I love to get that. So I think that's fantastic. You learn so much about a city from... Because they're the core, they're the pulse. They're the right. real pulse of the community. So there's one thing before we go on to rule three that I'd love you to address. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we go back to rule two, it being truth, decay, and news. There's something I know that you told me earlier that how the news is disseminated from back in the day to now. Could you right. touch on this a little bit? Well, now, I don't even know where to begin. There's so It's so different. Well, it was before the digital age. Everybody had to wait until five o'clock for the five o'clock news, you know? And so that allowed television stations to do a ton of fact checking on any story before they went on the air with it. In fact, you couldn't, it was unthinkable to go on the air with uh, anchors could not be opinionated. And now it's encouraged for them to comment on a story that, you know, say, well, that, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that, Bob. And it's, now it's encouraged, but before, Never encourage, take all the bias out of it and fact check everything. Well, since the internet, anybody could be a journalist now. All you yeah. need is a computer and you can publish a news story. And we all hear about all the fake news and it's true. There's a ton of it. So I think it's really important um, 
it, it may be helpful to the listeners to talk a little bit about spotting fake news, um, especially on social media. I think um, that's it, it's a problem, and broadcast networks are set are held to accountability in one way because the government and the FCC is involved. Yet separate from cable networks, they aren't held accountable in the same way. Whereas social media, it is nobody's accountable for anything. Right. Yeah, I could go online right now and I could say whatever I wanted. You know, Twitter has started flagging some things. Sometimes Facebook has taken away some accounts, but not really. You could really post and share whatever you think. Right. And um, that's our first am amendment, but the same rule doesn't apply to everybody. But I have received, <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure you have too, like a story with this headline that's just unbelievable, like an unbelievable headline. And the inclination of so many is to, oh my gosh, I'm sharing this. Right. What I've noticed is if you actually click on the story and read it, a lot of times it's an advertisement for some. Yep. There's actually not even a story there. And if you were, there's other things to look at beyond, before you share it, make sure you read it. And then I would check out the source, make sure that there is a source there and consider that source. <laughs> and see, you know, the, is it actually a site that you're the source? And what is the mission and contact info of that site? Site. If it's just anonymous, I would kind of question that maybe this is might be coming from another country or something's off. But there should be a mission statement. People who have websites, they have mission statements, they have contact information. And, um, and I would also Google the author and see if they're credible. Actually, see if they're even real. You know, a lot of times they're not even real. Um, I would check the date of the story, especially right now. I know I've been getting a lot of coronavirus stories. And when I look at the date, it's from March or April. And what we have since learned today, yeah. um, wow. you know, it, it's different information. So what was real at one time, you know, and that story was great, might not be relevant to what's out there today. And I'd also try to check your own biases. And, you know, yes, you want to share something you agree with, but are you sharing it, you know, like think about why are you sharing it? What point are you trying to make? Because mm -hmm. the story might not make that point. It just might be a shock. And then I would see if there's other sources, you know, see if anyone else is saying that story. Normally when there is something that is news, when you go on the internet, all the news feeds have it. But if you're the, if this story is only one place one person, I, I would question that that might be fake news. And a lot of times it's a joke. I've gotten things from people that they think is real. And I don't know if you're familiar with the onion or some of the other publications that are satire. They look on purpose like news, but it's satire. It's a joke. So make sure you know before you send it. And, um, but yeah, Absolutely. There's a lot of ways you can check for fake news and definitely read the story. Google it, make sure it's real before you forward it and you can I, help oh my, stop the spread of fake, fake news. <laughs> right. What a way to end out the tooth decay and news. And 
that's why I love Editor B and why I founded it 12 years ago, because we're about really professing and, and being unbiased and doing both sides and really connecting the dots. So thank you for that. I love what it. I like, uh, what I like about you do, what you do is it's less opinion based and you, it's a source. Yeah. You're providing resources and sources of information and you're asking your uh, reader, viewer, listener to here's a start and here's what you can do next. Yes. And Absolutely. that, and that is the difference than just like, you know, and we all do it. I love it too. I sit on the couch and just consume. It's like eating the whole bag of chips. Like that's what some of these programs are like, you know, they're just, they, they're entertaining. It takes us away from you know, our everyday life and problems. And, you know, we can think about something else. Whole gallon of ice cream. There it was. Oh, gosh. Let's go. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So rule number three, the value of everyday negotiations. Yeah. Um, it, I think it ties into what we were talking about in terms of choosing a career or um, anything you know, and, and following your curiosity and um, with news and it, it all ties in to negotiating. And a lot of people don't understand how important negotiating is. They're intimidated by it. I think a lot of your readers and listeners are realtors, so they do it all the time. But we actually all negotiate every day. Uh, you and I negotiated before we set up this call. Yes. You know, what time works better for you? What time works better for me? I'm going to try to tell you why this day doesn't work for me. And you're going to try to tell me why this day is better for you. That's a negotiation. And you come to an agreement. We do it, you know, where are we going to eat for dinner? You might feel like pizza. Your, you know, friend might feel like having Mexican food. And you sit and you talk about and you share your sides of why you should go to one place over the other. So we all do it. So we all have the skills, but I think there's some things that we can do that make our lives every day a little bit easier if we pay attention to the little nuances that go into negotiations. And uh, I say that there's five. And the first one is leverage, which is great. You want to have leverage in a negotiation, but Sometimes the best negotiations are when you can be strategic and come up with the leverage, the perceived leverage, and being able to sell, sell that through. I think that that is really impressive. And that is something we do when we're talking about eating one place versus the other. Nobody really has the leverage there, but you can come up with reasons of why you can convince the other person, you make them think you have leverage, make them, well, we ate there 10 times last time. You know, that's not really leverage. It's, you know, you're coming up with it. that. Exactly. exactly. You can come up with that. And the best negotiations are when, you know, using that leverage, but don't, you don't have to open with who's paying for it and all those things. You just start with, I want pizza. Um, but that is something. And also having the ability to say no, especially people, they make their decisions based on emotion. We all do. Yeah. Everything is emotion. What you put on in, in the morning when you get up, you know, I chose, I chose blue today. I don't know. That was what I was in the mood for. You know, nobody, 
was trying to convince me of anything, but it's all based on our emotion, how we're feeling. So, you know, try to take, um, put yourself in the other person's shoes every day, whether you're at the grocery store or in a traffic jam or somebody you might be, you know, a spouse. Anytime you're getting frustrated and you want to just say something, it's still kind of part of a negotiation. Kind of, you know, take a beat and, you know, have, you know, the ability to say, no, I'm not going here. I'm going to walk away. So I started mentioning it earlier, buying a car, people walk into the dealership saying, oh, I'm just going to look. Then they fall in love. Oh, I have to have this one because of the color. And, and car salesmen will always do that. They'll say, what color do you like? Right. Where do you want your monthly payment to be? So people stop negotiating what's important the overall picture and then they're just focused on driving that car home and i think it's important to have the ability to say no it's so important to say to walk away and say i'll think about it I'll, I'll call you tomorrow so definitely use that ability to walk away from any situation and also be in silent i think is so effective and fun anytime somebody's trying to talk you into doing something don't say anything this is a, silence is deadly. People talk themselves into a corner. And so try it when you buy a car. They say, you know, what about, is, is this the color? Is this the monthly? Is this the thing? Said, like, I don't know. Well, what can we do for you today? I don't know. What can you do for me? You know, and let them talk themselves into something you wouldn't have already gotten. So silence is fun. And uh, do your homework before you ask for anything understand what you want and why uh, is so important. Why do you want that car? Why are you so tied to that color? What makes you think that that that, that place is the only place with that car with that color and you have to have it tonight? You know, maybe there's a better deal somewhere else. And uh, in listening, a lot of people don't listen. A lot of people Think instead, what am I going to say next? How am I going to respond? And they're not listening and they miss so many cues in so many conversations. And that's, you know, talking about negotiation, negotiation is a conversation, it's back and forth. And you're trying to, you know, there's a goal of each conversation. There's a subject matter and a goal. So that's all I'm saying. And I think it, those tips help people in everyday communication. Uh, I, I, it's so valuable. And thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Because you're on a stage at the C200 Pepperdine mm -hmm. and I'm like going, okay, so I need to get a new mentor. I not a new mentor, but additional mentors that help in different capacities of doing different things. Yeah. And you start talking about um, the lady that you had mentored. You talked about the strengths of, of playing it forward, but having a different eye, a different, you know, uh, vision to go with it. Um, and not always have to be in the same industry, you know, and things that go That's with right. That's right. And I listen very intently because you're right. It's the difference of when someone picks up the phone, I'll always say, instead of saying, um, you know, I'll instead of say, hi, it's Desiree Patnell. If I know who's on the other phone, I'll say, hey, what gives? Or I'll do something completely out of, and someone who I don't even know who's never heard me before, I'll make a comment that they, I know that they're going to be able to be relatable to it. And they're like going, who is this? And they're immediately then pulled into it because I'm listening to how they react. And that is so important. And I believe from you that 
you get to a certain status, whether it be economic, whether it be uh, leadership in the C-suite, um, and that's what we talk about, the mm -hmm. leadership principles, or even in a, 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 a community uh, industry of life, you start feeling like, okay, I've been experienced, like you started the podcast, you said, these are my life experiences, this is what I've, this is what I've gone through, right. uh, that I believe is better than a book. I believe it's better than the almighty college saying, hey, this is what I have and this is what's gone because think of the change. Who, who, have we gone to school with all the um, um, juniors and seniors today? They've been gearing themselves up for these jobs and 60% of the jobs aren't going to be there um, right. in the near future. So you think about listening. Well, if you took your principles right now and said to listen every day in your negotiations, you would say, well, wait a second. We don't have that. No one else is doing that business. Let's create that business or let's start that platform, right? Right, which is about going to, to the first rule we talked about is follow your curiosity. You know, you'd be like, huh, how come no one's doing that? It can't be that yeah. simple. Why isn't that happening? And let me find out why. And then, oh my gosh, there's this opportunity that no one's doing this right now. Oh. And Boom, Zoom, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Zoom, all right, Zoom on the call, here we go. Right. Yeah, well, that's exactly where I felt, you know, we've been hearing, if you take the media and we take it into the value of negotiations, I started listening. We did an incredible thing. We did, um, uh, uh, I was going through the changes the last month. What are we doing here at the organization? What am I doing in my business line? You know, how am I handling my assets? You know, all the different things. And all of a sudden I got 60 applicants on some intern jobs and I went, where did these come from? We didn't even promote that. We didn't even advertise. Like here we got 60 applicants and I'm thinking they're all intern. I mean, they're all college students. They're all either just graduated or juniors or seniors. And they're like, okay, where am I going? What am I doing? And we had some old um, uh, postings up. And so I said, I can't just turn them away. I had this drawing, right? The curiosity, yeah. why, where, how? So I did a podcast on a Sunday, a webinar on Sunday, and I invited them all to come. They came. Yeah, that's wonderful. And their comments were, if I could give you some tips on how to get a job on how to apply and be an intern, and then you got to know what we were offering, and I could make you feel and live the opportunity of starting mm -hmm. your business and or have a positive frame of mind, which is what you're doing, then I in myself have created a leadership play forward, but also to help them have a way to help parents who are helping them get right. in school, right? Um, and what's so interesting is, is that, so we did that, I hired some. From there, now I'm having another one this Sunday. And my core is, is that I think about you and I go, you have hit exactly why they're so intrigued because I negotiated or they negotiated with me on that moment, what they saw, they said, I'm going for it. And didn't even look at the date when it was posted. Right. Because it was posted three years ago, right? Oh, my gosh. But they were applying it today. And they saw what we stood for, which was positivity and the collectiveness of being real in the news and try to give them hope. Yeah. Which is exactly what you're talking about. Yes. And, and because, you know, you're open and you're listening, they're going to bring value to you because you know we get stuck as we said in terms of what we watch and what we listen to and um 
lingo, everything that having young people, you, you know, it's so important to keep bringing in new business as uh, other people age out of what it is that we're doing, our, our core business. I, I mean, you talk about start, you said content viewing versus television. You know, right. content viewing, and it can be us, this, so we are your content. We're content. This is media. That's right. Yeah. And you it's know, evolving. So let's talk about the evolving. We take it from the value of everyday negotiation. So here we are, we're current. In the future, so we're meeting in the future. Where do you see us that you believe is going to drive us, not necessarily from the technology end of it, but from the just the core essence of giving value back? Because I believe both of us being, you know, um, the women of our, our journeys and our strengths where we come, how do we help um, our reader, our audience and our listeners and the core followers of our, our group leadership from the family offices down to poverty to make them feel and experience that love of continuing what to look for in media. So if we talk about media in the future, how do we, how do we help them define a better checklist to go through? Well, I think number one, we have to take a step back and realize that what we do and how we do it, and I always said this at every TV network, I wish I could have brought every programming executive with me on the road because I, so many meetings I would sit in and my colleagues would say, well, my kids don't watch TV anymore. My kids only watch over the internet or my... Our experience is not everyone's experience. There's yeah. almost, it depends, you know, which study you look at, but somewhere between 20 and 30% of this country does not have broadband internet. So between 20 and 30% don't have the capabilities to listen to this, right? Hmm. Even if they wanted to. So we think, oh, in my world, uh, everyone's doing a podcast. There's millions of podcasts out there. I need to do a podcast, but that's not the real world. So there is poverty. So, you know, there are people watching TV the way I did when I was a kid all those years ago. There are people who don't have the money for internet or for a computer or for a cable set or satellite subscription. So we have to step back and first recognize that what we do and I think people were surprised to even hear about it lately with COVID and a lot of schools were trying to figure out a way to provide teaching over the internet. And what happened? Right. There were kids that couldn't do that because they didn't have a computer or a connection, even in the you know richest of neighborhoods. So- um, And are home. Some of them were homeless and they didn't realize how to, they didn't well, know that they were homeless. As a matter of fact, you mentioned when you were doing my, um, the the intro that I do, um, I'm on the board of cause, cause for celebration. And what we do, because kids who are homeless are stigmatized, it, so we try to help them so that other kids don't find out that they're homeless or that they're in a shelter. And we make sure that when it's their birthday, that they can have a birthday party or when they're invited to a birthday party, they have a gift to bring. So, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah, if you think about that. So yeah. there's so much to go back to your question and talk about the future. Um, I, I can predict what my future 
might be or your future might be. But what we're seeing right now is a resurgence of local. In fact, more micro communities and people are watching more local news than ever before versus the cable and national news is because we're in a pandemic. And right. it's important for people to know what's happening in their neighborhood, in, yes. in yes. their county, in their state. And so the trends that we've been seeing um, for the last 10, 15 years about everything being national has just reversed. So it's a really hard time to predict the future, but um, you know we do have to always, no matter what business you're in, uh, take a step back and look at it as a whole and, and realize that what we do and our own personal habits are not everyone else's. You know, we're seeing now the real estate in my neighborhood where I live is through the roof. My house just went up in the last 30 days, 30%. Now, can I sell my house and get that for? I don't know. Been 30 days for my home to go up 30%. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. There's so many for sale signs on my street. But it, where I happen to live right now is what's hot during COVID. I mean, I live where people can walk to all their friends, to their office, to their, you know, and they're not in their cars. And, but that could be a trend for right now. So I think, you know, there's one thing to look at the media from a, you know, a broad lens and look at the trends that have been happening for the last 10 years, but it's also important to step back. So I don't have that crystal ball. Once I figure it out, I'm gonna go buy, you know, I'm gonna go buy an island and that's where you'll find me. But, um, you know, I think that trying to predict, we have to really look at the world differently and not just the big trends, but the micro, what, what the pandemic has changed and the businesses it's impacted, the airlines. I mean, that's a huge business for our country. And, um, you know, the people who might not be able to make their rent if they don't get their government supplements and all of those businesses that are changing, how is that going to impact media consumption and news and information and entertainment? You know? Oh, that, well, look, okay. So Wendy Fetterman, um, great lady, um, you know, nine Tonys and she runs the Broadway in New York, um, you uh -huh. know, $14 billion around the United States that it generates. They're shut down to next year. You know, you look at, you talked about, you know, the environment of what we're living in and going through the stimulus and the, and the businesses and where they're going to get media. If we had that crystal ball in real estate, you know, if we looked at just not our listeners just in real estate, because it's everything touches land. So 60% of the entire industries that we touch, you, where you live um, is no longer valued based on how close you are to work. Even though you mentioned it, it's now valued in my opinion is what can that community offer in health? What can that community offer and how they have the same beliefs or ideologies of taking care of you and their government platforms right. on a local community? Um, who's going to be there? Are my neighbors going to really care about me? Because when I was growing up, you knew your neighbor, you could borrow butter and sugar and, and eggs. That's and how my neighborhood is. And we, you know, we've talked about another neighborhood uh, before we started this podcast. But that's what I like. And I think community is going to be important. A lot of people, we live in a big city, but a lot of the more rural areas, their mm -hmm. community is their church, their synagogue, their, their place yep. of worship. Yep. Um, and it's 
statistics have shown that, it, you know, people that have a strong community, they, you know, they live longer. And it is, it's so important to uh, know your neighbors and be able and know, I even know the names of my homeless people, um, you know, but know your neighbors, know the I know which line I'm going to stand in at the grocery store. I know who's faster and I know the person by name. I mean, and it's, it's really, it's great. It's, it, and I think people are going to be searching for that. People don't want to be just a number. They don't want to raise their children like that. They want. We're, go, we're going back to old school. We're going back to how we were raised. And I really believe that as human beings, I think it's, a, it's, it's the right direction to go because we're going to have to live through this in a, in a compassionate and an empathy and a real way of connecting. Cause if we can't go around hugging everyone and we can't go out and be there when they're we're most needed because the difference of changing uh, someone living or dying based on presence and, and holding and touching, then we have to form another way of knowing that they know we know and that we care so they can internalize it. And absolutely that's absolutely because look at these children that have lost both parents and i mean there are so many people that have been disenfranchised in one way or another yeah. and it's you know it, it's com community is so important for so many i mean I, somehow I stumbled onto that when I got transferred to California from Chicago i told my realtor i only want to live in a neighborhood that has sidewalks because to me, if there's sidewalks in the neighborhood, and I ended up, you know, for a while, I went to another neighborhood that was gated and all this stuff. I didn't like it because I like that people are out walking their dogs, walking. It just provides a whole different element. And that's some, some play, and probably comes from growing up in, in Chicago. But I th I'm glad we're getting back to that because I agree. Well, you ha we have to. I mean, I think it's the perfect way, like you said, in the value of everyday negotiation. So for that being said, the tip, and I'm so thankful. This has been an incredible interview. Well, I thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. So let's close out with a tip. Um, what is the tip of the day giving the entire world environment that we have right now? Um, I think to uh, – put it all together is whatever you believe in the most, question the most. Whatever it is you're doing, question it. Um, you know, when it comes to the channel you're watching for news, when it comes to whatever you might think about, whatever your reaction to something is, why is it that you're feeling that? Um, is it something you learned? Is it something you believe because someone else believes it? Your friends believe it? Your family believes it? Or is it something that you've actually looked at and it's right for you? Because I don't think there's any right or wrong answers about anything. And I don't care what anybody believes. But I think it's really important that everyone question why they feel a certain way. And, you know, it's it's better if we can all come together. It's nice to be nice. I mean, and if we can find some things more that we have in common versus when things we don't, I yeah. think it's, it's better. So whatever you believe in the most, question the most. I think that's so powerful. I mean, you, you know, uh, your, your heart 
your compassion. I mean, we're to spill the beans. Um, she is our she centerfold for this issue of, of diversity, equity, inclusion, which is something that's so radically going on in our industry, our world right now. I mean, obviously. Um, and as you get to hear more from Liz and talking about all the great things that she's doing, all her great wisdom and experience that she has. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's been a journey uh, for the last uh, three or four months uh, to do all this, plus COVID, plus, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, embarkment of all the different, um, you know, I don't know if I like what you said, the environment, uh, how to get photographs, how to schedule everything, it's how to been, get everything done. This is the first time in my four years of not working that I, I miss having an assistant and a staff. <laughs> It's been, it's been trying on so many levels. That said, I'm so blessed um, beyond words, you know, and, and seeing what people are going through. But um, it has been a joy working with you. You are so passionate and um, you've got a lot of things on your plate and it's all in the name of providing sources and resources to others and that's what made me want to do this because we're all in this together thank you thank you so energyb.com i'm your host desiree patno um uh and you can go get the uh on live right now for the magazine and thank you very much liz i am so thank honored. you and, i'm honored all right take care have a great thank week. you desiree bye-bye bye-bye bye-bye